0: Hey everyone, good to be with you today. Maybe I'm catching you in the living room or on your drive to work. I'm not sure where you're meeting us online, but we're glad you're here. And certainly all of you that are in the room with me today, I'm super glad to see you. You know, we're inching closer to this thing called an election. Do you know anything about that, right? And so I think all of us, as we inch closer to the election, we want perspective. Everybody wants perspective, right? Something good to long for. And this is where we should be ecstatic that we have the Word of God, which is alive and active in every season of life and gives perspective even in the midst of an election and a pandemic. So if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 2, beginning of the Bible, we use the NIV, New New International Version. You can look at it electronically or a paper copy, but following along I think is helpful to you. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, just two verses today that I think will give some perspective to you about what we're experiencing in our daily lives. So, for the record, let me just state that when it comes to politics and Christianity, the concept of Jesus plus politics, there's two types of people primarily, right? There's the kind of person that comes to church or joins us online that you don't want to hear anything about politics. You're like, I come to church because I want the word of God open in front and I want to hear the forgiveness and the hope of Jesus and I kind of want my church without politics. And I get it. And then there's the other person that's like, no, I I want to know about Jesus and I want to know the Bible and I want there to be a clear intersection between how Jesus and the Bible and politics all come together. I, I get that too. And it's why we sort of have two different ways of communicating here at Faith. So so this moment on our Sunday gatherings, really the expressed purpose of this gathering is to praise and worship Jesus, to open up the Bible to whatever text that we're in. We happen to be in Genesis right now. And to listen and learn what the Bible has to say in this context that we might praise and honor him. That's what happens on a Sunday from this platform. And we have this other thing at Faith Church called Real Talk. It's a midweek teaching that we push out online on Wednesdays. What that platform allows me and Pastor Brad is the opportunity to discuss some things more in depth and detail and to share some things that we just can't get to here or we don't have time for or maybe doesn't fit into this context this week on Real Talk coming out on Wednesday. It'll come to your inbox. If you have email, it'll go on our social media platforms or YouTube. I'm kind of doing an extended Real Talk about a trip I had to Washington, D.C. in September. I went to D.C. in September, and my mind was changed on a variety of things. And I saw things that gave me perspective. And I just want to share that with you if you're interested. So Real Talk, on Wednesday. If you don't get it in your inbox, you can chat right now and ask the online host to help you find that or go outside the room and to guest services and they can help you get that. And if you're not interested in it at all, great. Ignore it completely and come to church next week because we're going to be in Genesis 2 talking about God and our design and purpose. So here we go. Genesis 2, are you there? The first line of the book of Genesis are four words, in the beginning God. And my pastor, the guy who discipled me, taught me that these four words are really the foundation of everything. That if as a follower of Jesus, I could see that God is in my beginnings and he is the foundation of all that I do and all that I think and all that I say, that will calibrate my life in every way. The God of the universe, Genesis chapter one, creates mountains and oceans and valleys and plants and animals. This big creator God creates all that we see and experience. And he says when he creates all of nature and all animals and all oceans, he says this is good. And then sort of the climax of creation is God creating humans, people in his image. And he says that is very good. Genesis chapter one is this cosmic view of God. Big view of creator God. But then we get to Genesis chapter two. And Genesis chapter two kind of zooms out from cosmic, zooms into the creation of humanity and how God is going to interact with his creation in humanity. And Pastor Brad talked about last week how God got his hands dirty, right? And he took the Palestinian clay and he molded it into a person and he breathed the life into this person. And the rest of Genesis chapter 2 is going to deal with our interaction with Creator God. Are you ready? Genesis 2, verses 8 through 9. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the Lord God plants a garden, puts the man he formed in the garden, and then makes trees grow in this garden. And maybe if you fast forward, you know the rest of the story. The rest of the story is God says, Okay, man, don't eat from that one tree. Everything else is yours to eat. Don't eat from that one. Then he looks at man and says, It's not good for you to be alone. So out of man, he creates woman. And then this man and this woman, blow God off and do exactly what he says not to do. And many of us know the rest of the story and we focus on things outside of these two verses, but I wanna stop and hover and stick in just these two verses because I think what you're gonna see is perspective. Let's take it phrase by phrase. Verse eight says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. Anything jump out at you? Love last week, Pastor Brad reminding us of the word Lord God. That it isn't Creator, Sovereign, Super God. Now we're in Genesis 2. It's intimate, loving Creator God who is personal. And this super personal Creator God plants a garden. That's kind of cool, right? He got his hands dirty making humanity and now he's getting his hands dirty planting a garden. Now, this isn't tomato potato garden. This is like an orchard. He plants an orchard. And it's really beautiful. It's this orchard that is in this area called east in the east in Eden. And why does Moses share that detail? He wants us to know that this isn't a fairy tale, that the rivers that crisscross this garden, this orchard the location east in Eden is him saying, you guys aren't listening to a fairy tale here. This is an actual place where actual events took place that you need to pay attention to. The God planted a garden east in Eden, and the word Eden means luxurious. It's this lush, luxurious garden. Use your imagination. What does a lush, luxurious orchard smell like, sound like, feel like, to you. I mean, shade from the sun, there's rivers, there's water, there's coolness, there's smells, there's bees, there's birds. Use your imagination. God forms this special, beautiful place where He's going to do something unique and intimate in this moment. Just trying to get perspective, all this. All powerful God, Genesis 1. Now he zooms in and he forms a person out of the clay, and then he takes those same hands and he forms a garden. This is really wild to think about. So he so he makes oceans and rivers. He makes all the wildness of this world, and he makes the jungles and the deepest oceans and the highest mountains and the biggest cosmos. And all of this is grand and it's wild and it's wonderful. And now he gets his hands dirty, kind of creating a little orchard. And it says in Genesis 3.8 that this garden is where God himself walks in the cool of the day. So it's this luscious, beautiful paradise, and God himself walks there in the cool of the day. It's his garden. It's his paradise. Watch what he does next, next, verse 8. And now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. He, He doesn't just plunk the man he formed on the top of a mountain. He doesn't throw him in the Sahara Desert. He doesn't throw him in the rainforest. He goes, no, I'm plunking him in my garden. He takes these hands that he formed this man with, and he clears out a space. He's like a farmer that has this rough and wild wilderness with a chainsaw, cuts down all the wild, plows the ground, puts his man in that garden, and makes an orchard grow. His orchard. He puts him there and makes him grow. And to the original audience, you got to hear this. Moses is writing these words to the children of Israel who have been in slavery for 400 years in a desert. And now, Lord God, creator, is trying to explain to himself, to these people, his character. And these children of Israel would know what a private orchard would be like. They had a king, Pharaoh, who had a private orchard that was for him and for nobody else. And if you were summoned into the king's orchard, likely you were a slave just to be there to serve the king. And now Moses is saying, no, no, let me explain to you this creator God who this wild and wonderful world he makes clears out out of the wild a little patch of ground and makes an orchard and puts you in that orchard, his orchard, with him. This is not like any other king. He carves out this space and he says to man, now sit down and watch, verse 9. The Lord God, after he does this, he plunks him in the middle. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there's a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he puts man into this, and he says, sit down and watch, and he makes the trees grow, and there's all different kinds of trees, tree of knowledge, tree of good and evil. We'll talk about that another time, but he's watching this happen. The man is watching this before his eyes. This intimate moment, all-powerful God plunked me in his garden to watch it grow. And here's the point. If you wanna know about the Garden of Eden, here's how I can sum it up. God created a sacred place of enjoyment, of intimacy, of work, and of testing. I mean, write that down because we're going to unpack that over the next number of weeks. These different aspects of this garden is this sacred place where something unique and intimate and wonderful is going to take place, where God and man are going to interact an enjoyment and an intimacy. And the first thing we notice is that it's a place of enjoyment. He makes man in his image. He doesn't put him in the Sahara Desert. He doesn't put him in a rainforest. He plunks him into his orchard, his garden where God strolls in the cool of the day and he makes the trees grow and he makes the birds sing and he makes the fruit and the flowers and this beauty unfold and all of that points to the fact that God is a God of enjoyment. It explicitly says these things that are growing in the garden look good, beauty, and taste good, which means taste and smell. And it must have sounded good there in the garden as well. It's a place of enjoyment, pleasing to the eye, and tasty, We read in Genesis 1.29 that God said to humanity, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit and seed in it, they'll be yours for food. So it isn't God making his garden for himself and plunking man in there and saying, this is all mine, you just make sure the weeds don't grow and the trees blossom right. No, 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 this ain't no slave. This is, I wanna share something enjoyable with you. We're gonna do this together. And I try to use my imagination when I approach the Bible. I would recommend it. If you were plunked in the middle of God's garden, what would you do? I'm just like super curious. So I'd be asking Creator God, hey, can I ask you a question? Can I ask why the bees and why the... Why is this like that? And what about the insects? And what's with the ants? And just all these questions. I'd be firing questions at them. What, why about this? Why about this? And I think I would maybe get to a moment, if I was just plunked in a garden at a front row seat to watch the trees grow and the birds and the fruit, I think I'd at some point ask God, like, hey, can, I, can I ask you a question? I see all of this, but how did I get here? And I think God would say, I made you. Well, how did you do that? Well, do you see how I made all of this? You see how I order all of this? You hear and see my power and strength? Well, I took the, this, this dirt, I took this dirt and I formed it together and I <laughs> breathed into you and you became alive. And the same way I bring life to this garden, I bring life to you. You mean I'm just dirt, God? No. You're better. You're the most valuable part of my whole creation. I made you in my image and breathed my life into you so that you would be like me and we could interact in this garden together. And if you don't slow down for a moment and look at these two verses and you just fast forward to all the other ways that humanity chooses to rebel against God and we see that second section of Genesis 2. If you just fast forward there and don't stop here, you don't get the point that God created this special place to interact with humanity where he wants a relationship. You missed the point. Here's the point. I'll explain it in, I think, modern terms. When you recognize greatness, you honor greatness, right? So when LeBron wins four titles, do you recognize greatness? When Brady has been in NFL for 21 years, still throws a pass and takes a hit. You might not like him, but there's something goaded about the guy, right? Like he's the real deal. When you listen to a beautiful song, when you see beautiful art, when someone makes you a beautiful meal and it's delicious, when you renovate a house and make it beautiful again, you see and recognize greatness, you honor it. God put man in that garden to have a front row seat to greatness, to watch trees grow and birds sing, to realize I am made in the image of God. When you recognize greatness in any way and in any place, you honor it by talking about it, by sharing it, by whispering about it. Wow, how did that happen? He's really great, she's really great. If someone comes up with a fix for this COVID-19 and we have it tomorrow, would you honor that greatness and talk about it? I would, because any level of greatness that's recognized begins to be honored when we talk about it. And God put man in his private garden to interact, to taste incredible food, to smell incredible sounds for one reason and one reason alone, to recognize and honor the greatness of God. This garden is a sacred place. Have you ever been to a sacred place? Have you ever had a sacred experience where you had a front row seat to the greatness of God? Maybe it happened in a church. Maybe. Maybe it was in a cathedral. Maybe it was because of the songs in the church or a sermon in the church or something where you had a sacred moment where you recognized the greatness of God. Maybe it was nothing in a church, it was on a walk, on a hike. You were at the Grand Canyon. You were sitting by the ocean. Maybe it was noticing something small in creation that nobody ever recognized. Maybe it was reading a book or listening to a poem or hearing a song. Was You ever stopped in your tracks and recognized the greatness of God? Has that ever happened to you? Because when it happens, it changes you. It recalibrates you. It influences you. And we look at Eden in Genesis chapter two, and we think that was just one historic moment that never happened again. It was a unique historic moment, but the God of creation is personal, and he wants sacred moments with you. He wants special times, one-on-one with you, where you see, feel, sense his goodness, his greatness, And when you see and sense the greatness of God, whether it's through a truth that you heard or a difficult experience where everything is so dark that you can't see out, but all of a sudden there's light and peace and you follow that and you see the goodness of God. Maybe it's through a conversation you have with a friend or a moment you have reading your Bible or listening to music. Whatever it is, God wants to recalibrate your life and my life Through sacred moments, a harder question is, is that a priority to you? Do you prioritize entering sacred moments, sacred space with God? Like, is that a value to you? That you want to interact with God? The reality is, you read the Bible from cover to cover, he wants to interact with humanity. It's not a question of if he wants to, he wants to. He made us to interact. Do you want that? You see, we'll say things like, I want to hear from God. I want God's peace or I want God's power. I want God's direction. I want God to answer this prayer. I want God to solve this problem. I want God to provide for me this or provide for me that. But do you make an appointment with him? Do you set aside your social media or your CNN or your Fox News or your podcast or your calendar to say, I want to hear from Almighty God. I want to interact with the God of the universe. We want to hear from him. We want to know him. We say that. But do we prioritize that? Because if you don't create the time and space, thankfully God's not limited by our schedule and he still shows up and he can still burst into your scene and recalibrate your life. But if you want your life to be recalibrated by God, I would just simply say make an appointment to meet with him. Make it a priority in your life. What does that look like? How does that work? I mean, it's, yeah, attending church online or coming to church together. Yes, it's being a part of a small group or going to a Bible class. Yes, these interactions that we have in groups of people, we can interact with the living God, and he interacts in groups. But he is so personal that he actually wants to interact with you one-on-one. So what does that look like? It, it may look like in your drive to work, not turning on the radio and saying, God, I want to use my commute to talk to you, to listen to you. It may be I listen to Joe Rogan every week for two and a half hours. Maybe I'm gonna listen to a podcast that talks about your character, who you are, because I want to meet with you. I want to know you. I want to understand who you are. I wanna be changed by you. When you go to bed at night, when you wake up in the morning, when you stop in the middle of the day at lunch, do you take any time to meet, have a sacred, special interaction with God? Do you open up your Bible? We don't tell you to read your Bible. As pastors, we don't go, yeah, hey, you should read your Bible so that's your fire assurance that it gets you out of hell. It's not it's gonna make you automatically better if you read enough verses and memorize. No, it's we actually believe God speaks and his word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword so it can recalibrate your life as you read it and process it. But I know for some of you, you're like, it's so boring, or I don't know how to. It's why Pastor Brad created these great videos for you called Let's Read the Bible, and he's just been opening up in five minutes teaching you, teaching me how to go step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter through the Bible and learn. How do we read the Bible? How do we get out of the Bible a moment with God where we hear his voice and we learn from him? See, in these moments of quiet, in reading, in listening to truth about who God is, in talking to God, in silence, he recalibrates. He transforms. He changes us. He gives us perspective. He may even give you perspective on this pandemic in a sacred moment or perspective on how to vote. If you would just say, I am willing to cut out time and actually choose be present and spend time with God. You know, man's placed in a garden. God forms man out of the dust and dirt, makes him, starts an orchard, plunks him down the middle, and I think he did it for this one purpose, so that this man would recognize the greatness of God and honor God. And you may not know this, you may not believe me, but that's why you're here too, you are alive right now in 2020 to recognize and honor the greatness of God. That's why you're here. You might go, Joe, that is so cheesy. Seriously, like, you're not gonna give me something better. That's so churchy, that's so cheesy, that's so sound, so Sunday schoolish. No, honestly, it's true. That's why you're here. You may not believe it, you may not think it, but that's why God put you here in 2020 right Now, let me explain it this way. It's fall 2020. I like uh, leaves that change color. Do you like that? Do you like when you see the bright yellows and the fiery reds on trees? Is that an accident? I mean, why do people take tours of fall color? Why do people take time to leave the sort of southwest where it's dusty and dirty, and they go to the northeast to see beautiful arrays of color? Why do people do that? Because there's something magnetic and beautiful about seeing fall color. Do you think so? Right? You'd agree? I think it's pretty awesome. We can explain by science that in our ecosystem, trees grow leaves for a purpose, trees shed leaves for a purpose. Science will tell you exactly why that is. But why the colors? Why not just brown? Why not just black and white? Why the vivid colors? that just happen with all of our eyes to look beautiful. These balls inside our head can see the color of a mountainside that's fire red or yellow and go, whoa, look at that. I'm gonna take a wine tour so I can see more. Like, why does that happen? It's an accident? Or every beauty is designed by an artist? a purpose. And you can drive through the fall and go, wow, that's pretty, and keep driving. You can. Go ahead. Or you can drive through the fall and see the beauty and connect the beauty to the artist. If you drive through the fall and see the beauty and go, wow, that's beautiful, and ignore it, it won't ever recalibrate your life you'll go, wow, that's beauty. If you ignore the beauty and don't connect it to your father who made it, your life will never be recalibrated. You'll continue down your path doing whatever the heck you want to do. But if for a moment you could stop and see that this beauty is displayed by God that we would catch a glimpse of it and see his glory and grandeur and we would connect the dots and go, you made that for my eyes to see, to recognize. That kind of recognition and honor of the artist changes your day. And it may just change the election. It recalibrates your thinking and it reminds you of that which is most important, why you're here. You may like this, you may not. You may agree, you may disagree. I'm just gonna say it. You know what this pandemic is about? This pandemic is about you and me recognize the greatness and glory of God because that's why we're here. Do you know what this election is about? This election is about you and me recognize the greatness and the glory of God. That's why we're on this ball, to see that the God of the universe loves us so much to make a world, to share with us intimate, sacred moments, to live with us face-to-face through the blood of Christ. We can boldly enter his presence and ask Creator God for all things to get his peace and his perspective and to recalibrate. He put us here to interact with us and for us to live together and to be connected together. But when we disconnect everything from him and we don't notice and connect the dots between what we see and what we experience with him, we run around like we're chickens with our head cut off. We're not calibrated to the things that matter most. But if God really did make everything, if God knit you together in your mother's womb, if creator God, loves us enough to hold this world together, that gravity actually works today, not by accident, but because he made it work and makes it work. If all that's true, and you ignore it, then you shouldn't be surprised that your life seems haphazard, purposeless, and you're anxious and afraid. But when... You see Creator God as strong and personal, loving and mighty. He made this world that we would honor Him, and in honoring Him, we find our purpose and our joy. It recalibrates everything and it helps us to have a sense of peace. This week, will you take time to make an appointment with God? Will you? say, my relationship with God is important and it changes me. Therefore, I will talk to him. I will read the Bible. I will seek to listen to his voice. I will acknowledge his greatness. I will try to see in every area of my life where he is and what he's doing. I'll bring my questions, my sorrows, my burdens. I'll bring all of that to the appointment because every appointment I have with someone who is great and mighty, I'll bring everything I can to my doctor, but will I bring those same things to my God? I'll bring everything I can to an expert in science or an expert in leadership Say, what about this and what about this? Will I bring these things to my God who promises to recalibrate us and to give us peace? So this week, if the God of the universe can turn leaves to fiery red, what can he do in you? This week, if the God of the universe can make leaves glimmer and glisten with oranges and yellows that catch your eye, can he handle your struggle, your anxiety, your fear? I think so. Have an appointment with him. Would you pray with me? Almighty King of the universe, that we can even talk to you as a gift from Jesus. Because you shed your blood on the cross, Christ, we can now boldly enter to the throne of grace and talk to you, Creator God, Thank you for your word that's alive and active. Thank you that Eden wasn't a fairy tale, but it's a historic moment with historic people. Thank you that you still today want to interact face-to-face. Still today, you want to hear the questions of your children, the concerns of your children. You want to speak and whisper purpose. And peace into each one of your sons and daughters. May we spend time with you. May we, this week, in the mundane of caring for children or driving a truck, in the mundane of schoolwork or trying to survive a pandemic, I pray we would see your glory and acknowledge it as yours. Find ways in which you're still working, you're still speaking, you're still active. May we recognize your goodness and honor you for all that you are and all that you're doing, and in that may you change us. Give us perseverance, God, because every time I read the Bible, it's not fun. Give us perseverance, God, when we talk to you and we feel like we don't hear anything back. Give us perseverance and patience when we ask questions and we don't get immediate answers. Give us patience and perseverance when things don't go the way we think it should go. Help us to be humble and keep coming back to you to see your heart and your mind. Would you guide and protect your sons and daughters and give us great enjoyment with you. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.